Hey guys, so a quick update on the show. We've been covering the uh, RP and RPGs for the last six episodes, and the next two will continue to do that. And then episode nine, I believe, we'll be covering more of the G. We're going to take a look at how we got these stories out of our, our playthrough with Skyrim. Uh, and we're also hoping to be taking a look at some listener stories. If you guys want to send us in a few things, we've gotten a couple already. Thank you for those. We'd like to read other people's stories and experiences and how they role play in games. It doesn't have to be Skyrim, as we said before. And we're also looking at ways how we might cover other games in the future. This is not limited to Skyrim, obviously. It's just it's just the easiest game to work within at the moment. Uh, we have a lot of ideas. We're very excited about the future of the show. Uh, so with that, we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome back to the Pretenders Guild. This is part six of the Evanheart arc, where we are continuing the stories of Nilfane and Sings by Moon. Yes. My name is Chris. <laughs> and my name is Dylan. <laughs> or Sings by Moon, or apparently. Sings by Moon. Who's here with us today? It's starting to, like, yeah, just pop up in everyday <laughs> conversations. Just talking to your boss. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, Ed. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Uh, send us your stories, guys. We want to do a uh, some sort of a feedback, kind of like a response to this season where we talk with some... We're just going to talk about some things. Yeah. We want your stories. Send them to us on Twitter or at our Gmail. It's Pretenders Guild on Twitter, and it's ThePretendersGuild at gmail.com. Um, if you just want to send us a long story or something, just just throw some shit at us. Just tell us about your little fun experiences so it's not just us making up our fun stories. Right. Okay. And with that, let's get into those stories. Nilfane happened to be called upon by some ancestral spirits. He is a far... It was a spooky event. He's a far walk, far walk away from uh, from being a cold-hearted assassin. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, he just he was called upon. He was visited in his sleep by ancestral spirits, which are are kind of key to, to Dunmer. I mean, let's just go, let's go for it. You know, in Morrowind, you could just summon a ghost. I'm pretty sure you could summon a ghost in Oblivion, too, if you played as a Dunmer. Yep. And I thought, well, that's that's kind of cool. I want to play with that a little bit. And, and was able to kind of work some gameplay stuff into it. So he was visited by some ancestors. They led him to this burning house, and he, he killed some cultists there, some some worshippers of some sort, some some ne'er do wells. Yep. And he was filled with a warm sense of satisfaction. And he realizes that he he has appeased his ancestors in some way, and it's the only kind of real connection to anything that Nilfain's felt. Uh, he's gone through guilds, and he's sort of made friends and had connections, but this is like concrete. He felt it. But then the next morning he wakes up, and he feels cold and empty, and they're gone. And he has been left with just one sort of beacon, and it's the Shrine of Azura, which Mm -hmm. he knows is somewhere in northern Skyrim. And he's way down south. So Uh, he continues to dream and have these strange dreams. But they sort of each night get foggier and foggier and harder to to find. Um, But still, it's that Statue of Azura. It's like the goddamn Statue of Liberty holding holding up the torch. (laughs) Um, So he, he, um, he, he vaguely remembers hearing rumors about the statue way up north. And he decides, okay, well, I need to, I need to go look into that. Uh, he heads up to Riften and then catches a ride to Windhelm on the cart. 
So he's he starts searching his feelings. He's going all Jedi on us right now. And he keeps <laughs> thinking about the name Nilzaril, his own last name. As he's you know just sitting there in the back of the car, his hood up. He's just sort of he's very contemplative and, and meditative right now. He's not very moody because he doesn't have a lot of feelings, but he's certainly got a lot to, to internalize. Yeah. So he's always had this name Nilzaril, but he doesn't have the memory of of the origin of that name or his parents or his ancestors. And he, I mean, it's it's as vague to him as the memory of his first kill. And once more, while he's sitting there on the back of the car, kind of bouncing around, well, he, you know, he's half dozing. He's startled awake um, by the whispers. He doesn't catch what they say, but they come on strong again. And he starts to wonder if this is going to plague him for the rest of his life now that they've suddenly like come at him. Maybe he is insane. Maybe he has just sort of lost his marbles a little bit. But he's after after these uh, these voices come to him this time. He's unable to sleep, and he ends up just sitting in the cart. The entire ride from Rifton to Windhelm, they, they stop a few times, but he just stays awake and he just sits there kind of like a psychopath now. <laughs> he's just so like, he's tense because now he's started to worry that maybe he is, he is losing it. Right. He's shook. So he gets to, to Windhelm. He feels compelled to go in and stop at the Grey Quarter. Also, he knows not to go in through the front door. He knows that his kind are not welcome in Windhelm. He's, he's <laughs> been here before. However, he hasn't been here since he first joined the Dark Brotherhood. This right. is this is where he kind of did his initiation. This is long, long ago before the Ebonheart arc started. That Nilfane joined the Dark Brotherhood, and it's been a, it's been a while since he's been here. So you know he that night he he gets into Windhelm, he walks the narrow streets of the Grey Quarter, and he's looking at all these sort of tattered flags and like house emblems and stuff that the the Dark Elves of this area have hung up everywhere, and he's kind of trying to to connect with those, to this place, to Morwen, to his home, to the people who live here to these ancestors who visited him, mm-hmm. but it all still feels like feels like a dream. It feels like these ghosts, everything, this connection to his past life maybe, to his ancestors, it just feels like a dream, like it, it all was make-believe, it didn't really happen. So he heads into this nearby uh, corner club, this Dunmer bar, and he remembers being here once, and that feels like practically another lifetime ago. But he comes in, he, he's greeted warmly, you know, he's a Dunmer and he's in the Grey Quarter, so he his his kind is kind of the only that's welcome here. And he, you know, he goes up to the to the bartender and he asks about the Shrine of Azura. And this guy, of course, yeah, and he knows all about it. That's it's Azura is the Daedra the Daedric prince who's worshipped by the Dunmer. Um, there's plenty of lore that I don't need to go into here, but For another day. Yeah, for another day. So, uh, but he tells him, yeah, it's up by Winterhold. You gotta head, you gotta head due north. You know how to get to Winterhold. And Nilfane's like, yeah, okay, I think you know, I've been around there before. He, um, well, he, he's been to Dawnstar. He hasn't been to Winterhold. Uh-huh. But anyway, so he <clears throat> been up north. He, he rests that night. The voices don't come to him that night. Ooh, that, cool. that stresses him out a little bit. So he he has to just sort of you know he heads off to Winterhold the next day. He's planning on stopping in, in Winterhold just like quickly. Stocking up on supplies and then going straight north into the mountains to find out, or south. I think it's actually just south of Winterhold. Yeah. Uh, but just as he starts to get near the town, the small little village up north, an incredible blizzard strikes. Like he's never experienced before. He's only been in Skyrim for a little bit over a year, and he spent most of it down in the south near Falkreath and Riften. Um, but this is like Skyrim unleashed on him. Uh-huh. Um, and he is forced to kind of take shelter in the nearby inn. He didn't really want to, but now he's, he's sort of holed up. And just as he's about to drift off to sleep, sure enough, the whispers, they come back, and they will not let him be. They wake him up and sort of force him into this almost like manic state to head out into the dead of night, into this raging blizzard, and and head for the shrine. 
So he gets out there and he he doesn't really know where it is. He's gotten vague directions, but he just kind of starts going as if he knows where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like pitch white. It's not pitch blackout. It is pitch white. You know, there's snow all over the ground. The sky is white from the storm. He doesn't know if it's day or night. Well, it is in the middle of the night, but he wouldn't be able to tell if it was day or night. It's just white everywhere he goes. And there's just the, you know, the immense power of this storm. And he's straining against it, pushing uphill towards whatever he supposes is the Shrine of Azura somewhere. The frost is clinging to his body like whatever chains have bound his soul for all these years. It's not, And then it's not long before he sees it. Even in the blizzard, he can see that, that beacon, that towering beacon. It's Azura standing tall, holding up her star. A monument to Morrowind and the Dunmer and everything that... Everything inside Nilfling that he's been cut off from. And everything that seems to have like flooded back into him. He climbs the last part of the cliff, struggling against the snow, and then it's as if he just steps into like a cave mm-hmm. or like shelter somewhere. As soon as he gets to the top of the shrine, it's there's no you know the snow is now swirling around them and it's not touching them at all. And you know it feels warmer in there. And he's just he's taken aback by it, and he sees this woman standing at the base of the statue. She's a Dunmer, and she turns to him and she says, "Azura has seen your coming, traveler." It was not curiosity, but fate that led you here. And she says that Azura has has foreseen his coming here, and that's like exactly the kind of validation that he needed, because uh-huh. he's just he went from being an assassin and, and then a thief, and then sort of like a wandering bandit hunter, and then decided he was going to join the Dawn Guard, and now he's on like some weird religious quest. Right. It's all happened very quickly for him, and and this was sort of the the confirmation that he needed. But maybe it's just feeding into his own insanity here. But. As far as this woman is concerned, her name is uh, Arane Ieneth or something like that. I'm not going to try to say that again. I'm pretty sure I said it wrong. But she's a, she's a dark elf. But she, she says that Azura called to him. And she uh, she tells him that he needs, to, he needs to perform a task. He needs to find this soul gem. Mm-hmm. This mystical object. This, this Daedric artifact that belonged to Azura. That it's gone missing and... You, he, Nilfane has been called here to claim it back. And she says that his, his first step is to head back into Winterhold. He's, meanwhile, he's just standing here at the foot of the statue, like having this awe-inspiring experience. On the one hand, it's almost like more physical, and then once it gets to his brain, into the inside of him, he's still just like, I don't know what to think of this. Mm-hmm. His body feels the warmth of being in, in, at this shrine, and he, he is experiencing the sensations of, of all of this, but it's still just... He's left blank inside. He doesn't know what to do. So she tells him, you have to go back into Winterhold and find this elven enchanter. He hangs out around the tavern there. He should be able to tell you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, we are beings guided from the darkness into the light and from the light into the darkness. These are words that are going to stick with him for, for a while. From, from darkness into the light and from the light into the darkness. Just this sort of back and forth thing. And, and he that sort of... That starts to ring true with him, something that he's been experiencing for a while now. So he, he heads back into Winterhold again. As soon as he steps back out of the shrine, he's just like being pelted by snow again and practically buried and crushed by it as he limps his way back down. In a way, I started to see Nilfane, although the character looks exactly the same other than the way he's dressed, almost deteriorating. He mm. was a very like finely tuned instrument before, specifically for killing. And it feels like over the last few weeks... Even though his combat abilities haven't lessened really, it's like his physical health has started to sort of drain. And I don't know why I just have that sense about him because he doesn't, again, he doesn't look any different um, while playing the game. It just, he seems as if he's being worn out by these experiences. 
And even now he kind of, he comes back into town, into Winterhold, just like half frozen over. His cloak is just a giant sheet of ice. Mm -hmm. His face is just kind of half frostbitten. You know, he's, he does not look well as he stumbles back into the inn. Just this, basically a picture of a ghost himself now. And, and he sees this, this one elf just sort of sitting in the bar, you know, smoking out a long pipe and enjoying the nice warmth of the fire and Nilfin just comes clattering over to him just all ice and you know dropping ice shards like Jack <laughs> at the end of the Titanic um, he sits down <laughs> next R. to R. this R. next to this elf he just clanks he crashes into this seat next to him ice falling <laughs> everywhere uh, and he says I'm looking for the star of Azura and the elf is like what what uh, I don't know what you're talking about and Nilfin he's just he, he looks at this man for for like, a, like too long, like an uncomfortably long amount of time, and he's thinking like, do I intimidate this guy? Do I try to bribe him? Do I try to persuade him? Do I, which which skill tree do I want to follow through with right now? But he just stares at him long enough, and he says, I need to find the Star of Azura. And he kind of he basically he the elf is taken aback by that. He's just a man who's just enjoying a drink and a nice and a nice smoke with warmth of the fire, but he's sort of taken aback by this vivid image next to him. And he gives it a minute, and, and he takes in Nilfain's story about having traveled up to the shrine and being given this quest, and he's like, okay, crazy guy, uh, <laughs> no thank you. Uh, and and Nilfain sort of repeats to himself, we are beings guided from the darkness into the light, and from the light into the darkness. And he just, he says that, and then he just looks into the fire, and, and for whatever reason, this, this elf just starts to talk. He starts to talk about this guy named Malin. Who worked at the College of Winterhold, and basically the long story short with this guy, Azura Star is an eternal soldier. It can be used again and again and again. So basically, this guy Malin was trying to use the star to become immortal. Like he wanted to store his own soul in there, and then he could put it through different bodies and essentially just allow himself to live forever. And this, just like with the vampires, just like with the necromancer that he ran into before. The idea of something being able to avoid death or cheat death does not sit very well with Nilfane, even now. Mm. It's still, a lot has happened with him, a lot has changed, but there's still the core concept of everybody dies and everybody should die eventually. And this guy Malin, as he's, been, he's being told about, has stolen an artifact from Azura, who he's now been called to, to help, uh, and he's been trying to pursue immortality. He was performing experiments on his students and killing them in the process, and he has fled. And Nelkar, the elf that he's now speaking to, gives him the last known location uh, of Malin, this this mad wizard, essentially. Nilfane is like, okay, he, he's he's got the info that he needs. He pulls off his frozen cloak, <laughs> just, you know, puts it in front of the fire, and he knows he's now, the whispers have, subsi have subsided. He's gonna wait out the storm, and then as soon as it's over, he's gonna go in, in pursuit of this guy to his last known location and he he's like okay nods nods to Nelkar he gets up goes to rent a room for the night Nelkar stops and he goes oh well, but just one last thing I've studied these things you know I'm not a Dunmer I don't know what sort of religious hokey pokey experience you might be having right now but from my studies I, I have learned a thing or two the Daedra are not to be trusted Azura However high you might regard this Daedric Prince is not to be trusted. You should know that. And Nilfane, he doesn't know what to say to that. He looks back at Nelkar and he 
thinks about the experiences that he's had in the last few days and suddenly now there's a nagging force in the back of his head but he's on this quest now and he doesn't know what else to do so he gets a room for that night he goes to sleep but the voices don't come to him So, Sings by Moon uh, was recently at the Golden Glow Estate where he went on a murderous rampage and started lighting almost everything that he could see on fire uh, and made his way back to the Thieves Guild where he was reamed out for what he had done, uh, met up with Maven Blackbriar, was reamed out by her for what he had done, and then went to bed that night thinking about what he had done <laughs> and was uh, not feeling very, very, very highly about himself. He had been... You know, he had actually been given a decent opportunity to make some coin, and he just on a on a whim uh, almost completely ruined all of that. He goofed it. And he's thinking he's not like a very thoughtful Argonian. He's not a very um, he's not one of those like learns from his lessons types. But he is also <laughs> extremely self interested uh -huh. and can see that when things. Um, when things start to blow up in his face, uh, there's almost often, or almost always, a reason, and mm -hmm. often that reason is his own actions. He's he's aware of that. Um, sometimes he's less aware of that than he, uh, or or sometimes he's more aware of it than he would like to be, and so he violently takes that out sure. on others. Um, but he's realizing that if he's to ever get back tomorrow, and he needs to sort of bite his tongue, play by the rules mm -hmm. a little bit. So. He spends the next few weeks, uh, he performs this task for Maven Blackbriar, uh, successfully infiltrates a, uh, a metery in, in the part of Skyrim and frames the owner, gets him thrown in jail, all kinds of political yeah. mumbo jumbo that he's just been, um, he's been tired with since the moment he got there, but the, the coin has been pretty, pretty decent. And he's been finding himself hanging around at the Ragged Flagon more so than, than previously mostly because he doesn't have very many places to go. He's sort of worn out his welcome at the inn in Riften. Um, and when, when he's not on the road, he needs a place to stay. But he's found, he, he's spoken to some of the other members, done some small jobs. And over the course of a few weeks, he's, he's, uh, he's not doing too bad for himself. He's, a, he's been able to make some coin. He's been able to uh, make some connections around Skyrim. He's gotten himself in a little bit of trouble here and there, trying to steal some things, but... <clears throat> Again, realizing the sort of the organization that he is a part of, he's been wielding that a little bit, mm -hmm. throwing it in the guards' faces sometimes, breaking laws, just just taking something right off of a, a shopkeeper's table, and then when the guard starts giving him some lip, he just sort of shows the the thieves' guild emblem on his armor, and more often than not, it 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 works. When it doesn't work, he runs, and <laughs> he's been able to just he's been kind of going. Uh, back and forth throughout Skyrim. He's made his way actually as far north as Solitude, and I'll get to that. But 
along the road, he's been able to acquire lots and lots of alchemy ingredients. And so he's been up in his game big time. And now he has, since he's gotten that, that potion of invisibility Ooh. recipe down, he's been just racking those babies up. And he's got he's got a whole like host of them, as well as ones that are you know revitalize him or, or bring back his endurance. Some mana pots. Some mana pots. Yeah, some H pots, some mana pots, some stam pots. So he's found it, since he's decided to play by the rules, he's found it actually kind of easy. He realizes he's made a lot. He's the cause of a lot of his own problems. (laughs) Uh, I mean, at least insofar as uh, getting back to Morrowind is, he sort of, he he reasons again that this, this... sort of rejection from Sithis has been a fracturing of his personality. And he's a bit far away from it enough now that he's able to see that there is something different about the Sings by Moon uh, who has been inhabiting Skyrim for the past month or so. And that this this insane lust for disorder that he always thought would have a big payoff is is turning out to be a major hindrance in his life. And it's almost like he he was rejected uh, when he asked someone out to the prom, and now he has sour grapes. And he's the Argonia like, prom. I don't want to go with you anyway. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. <clears throat> you're like a bad influence. So <laughs> you're going to make me drink. I'm only 17. I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you're a jerk. Uh, so that's kind of how he feels about Sithis. Uh, but he's been uh, going through these... The, the, this this whole big political mess with Maven Blackbriar and Mercer Frey, and he's finding that this nameless broker of the Golden Glow Estate contract is also also had dealings with the Hunnig Brew Meadery, uh, which he had to go in and infiltrate, and uh, found out that it was sold to some guild member or ex guild member in City of Solitude, so he's tasked with traveling all the way through the continent of Skyrim. And, and he's remembered, you know, he really doesn't like the road. And so he takes the, the carts from city mm-hmm. to city pretty much until he arrives in solitude. Um, and as he, as he walks in, he's really, he's far from home. It's been, a, it's been, a, he's been on the road for like four days. Yeah, it's been a day. It's been a fucking week. And he's just, <laughs> his ass hurts and his tail is just like sore from being tucked around him in the, it's like, you know, like when you sleep and your hair gets like mm-hmm. uh, pushed up in a weird way and like your actual hair follicles are sore. Yeah, it That's what happens with his tail all the time. Ugh. It's seriously an issue. Uh, and <laughs> he's just, just very angrily walks into solitude there's this execution going on he doesn't even watch he just keeps walking <laughs> by and then eventually realizes everyone in town is at the execution so he uh waits for everyone to disperse does not really pay any attention to what's going on and he he meets with this uh this uh, other argonian actually who was uh the one who purchased the haunted brew meter um i'm sorry who purchased the Golden Glow Estate, excuse me. Um, well, Argonians deal with the thieves go. Yeah, I don't know. I think that is racist. I mean, especially it's because they're supposed to be Dark Brotherhood affiliates. Uh, yeah, something, something, something sketchy about that. Um, so eventually, through a series of interrogations, uh, Sindamun ascertains that this Argonian had been dealing with 
Someone named Carlia. Uh, uh, finally a name to give. And it, that did not come easy. He had to follow this fuck through like a series of uh, like a, basically into like this large cavern underneath Solitude where the East Empire Company has their storage warehouse. Um, he did, uh, he, listen, he killed a few guards on the way in, but it wasn't a big deal. He didn't light everything on fire. It was cool. Threw him in the water. It wasn't a big deal. But through this interrogation process, he uh, eventually finds out, gets a name, Carlia. And he returns, a uh, few more days travel, sore tail, sore butt, just, the just, worst. just tired. Gets back to the, uh, dark, I'm sorry, to the Thieves Guild. This time through, he's been shown, um, in his time just hanging out in the Thieves Guild, that there is actually a secret entrance through the graveyard near the temple very uh, spooky. Very goth. Very goth. You have to pull a gothy chain, yeah. and it makes this goth stone <laughs> opening noise. You walk in. It's really, it's really actually pretty cool. Um, and uh, so Saint Benjamin enters and reports back to Mercer Frey. Now, Mercer has been in the guild a long time, and he explains to Saint Benjamin that oh, Carlyle. The way he says Carlyle. Carlyle. I should have known. And he tells a story about how Carlia was an ex-member of the Thieves' Guild as well, uh, and she murdered the previous guild master of the Thieves' Guild, uh, a man named Gallus. Mm-hmm. And ever since she uh, disappeared, she has been trying to undermine the Thieves' Guild in any way that she can. Mercer had lost touch or lost contact with her and lost tabs on her, so he's feeling very foolish right now. He should have suspected that this was her all along. But uh, Moon really doesn't give a shit. He's just waiting for this boring story to end so he can get his money. And then Mercer continues just going on and on and on about this this whole story about how she she you know, hoodwinked all of them and then murdered Gallus when, at the, the last moment um, and says that he's going to do some sort of research and try to find where, where she may be within within Skyrim. Uh, and Sing Bowman's like, yep, great, okay. So he's starting to think to himself, he gets paid from this job, he's pretty set up at this point. Uh, he might want to start thinking of a way to uh, get back to Marland. He's He's got enough su- supplies to at least get halfway there. He can procure more. Um, and he's thinking of this as Mercer was talking. Mm-hmm. He's kind of tuning him out. And then Mercer mentioned just on his stream of, of just words that uh, Carly is a dark elf. So, uh, Sings Moon is like, I'm listening. And <laughs> as Mercer first says, and inevitably we're going to have to take care of her. So, when I know where it is, you'll meet me there and we will do it. So, Sings by Moon decides, you know what? This might be a fitting way to end his time in Skyrim. Do one last job. This sounds like it's going to be a big deal. So, he'll probably get rewarded very finely. And then he'll be able to go on his way. Uh, back tomorrow, and hopefully, it's been a, probably everyone thinks he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might get a nice party when he gets back. That'll be really cool. Uh, so a day passes. Uh, he goes off and does another job for a side job for another guild member, and uh, Mercer tells him that he's been able to pin down Carlia mm-hmm. at a place called Snowvale Sanctum, north of the city of Windhelm, and. Uh, 
sings the moon is to meet Mercer there. So he uh, spends the rest of the day going and collecting ingredients for alchemy and going back to the mortar and pestle in the temple and just, or actually in the thieves guild and just, you know, making himself, just, he just gets practice a lot of the time. He makes a lot of the same things and goes and goes and hawks them, hawks them down at the, um, some, some to the thieves guild, some all the way up in different various cities if he needs some coin. Um, and eventually makes his way, uh, this time by foot to, uh, towards Snowvale Sanctum, where he believes it to be. When he gets there, he finds a dead horse in a campsite, and he's like, hmm, doesn't look good. So he keeps going, and uh, to where he finds Mercer Frey sitting there really creepy. He's like, oh, did you do that? And Mercer is like, I found her. I knew she was here. I took, she must have taken her horse here, so don't worry, I took care of her. She's on the inside. I know she's there. He's very, very calm. Yeah. So, uh, Sings My Moon takes the lead uh, after Mercer unlocks the door, and they enter this large catacomb underground, uh, similar to the the catacomb that Sings My Moon had found the white file in, or the shitty broken version of the white file. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's all kinds of drogger. There's all kinds of traps. It's Always. a fucking hassle. It's, it's a hassle. Every, nothing is easy. He's just... Like, that's... He's starting to really like the idea of just... You go there, you just take what you need, you go back, you get the coin, you get the food, you get drink. Everything is fine. But getting his hands dirty has just really never been his thing. And he's getting his hands quite dirty. As, they're as, filthy. As, yeah, they're, they're gross. They're grimy. They got dungeon on them. And there's traps, and he's stepping on... Bear traps. Ah, we didn't put that there. Uh, right. And Mercer mentions, Carlisle must have reset all the traps. Oh. She must have been, convenient, made it in here. Carlisle. <laughs> Carlisle must have made it so that all of these drugger came back to life and attacked all of us. How did she do it? <laughs> that, that voice actor's entire script is just him practicing Carlisle. I'm going to do a D&D character that has that voice because it's so, like, fun yeah. and, like, easy yeah. to do. Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so deep into the catacombs, they approach this Nordic puzzle door. Um, usually, that ones that since the moon has seen before usually need like this weird kind of claw thing that has like a uh, an emblems on it that you can match up to. But Mercer knows a way apparently to unlock this, and he he pulls out this mysterious looking key and just sort of <laughs> puts it in, and he's got to know the trick. And ding! You see this large door open, and as it opens, uh, Mercer says, uh, just walks, starts to walk in, and Mercer says, Be careful, this is the perfect place for an ambush. And he's like, yeah, yeah, what the... <laughs> and as he's poo-pooing what Mercer says, yeah, he feels this, this sharp pain Uh-oh. in his rib, and all of a sudden, everything kind of gets really nice and peaceful for a moment as he loses control of his motor function and falls to the ground. Uh, Everything goes black. So, when he awakes, uh, he's not even fully awake. He just kind of comes to consciousness. He opens his eyes, but he can't move any part of his body. He's awake, but he's not woke. He's not woke at all, exactly, but he's awake. He's not sleeping. Um, his body's asleep though. It's literally just his eyes and he's open and there's this haze and he can see that he, you know, the, the door opened up into a very large cavernous room and he can see 
Mercer standing in front of this dark elf. Um, this dark elf in this very, uh, very fine leather armor. And he, as he wakes, he can hear Mercer saying, Do you honestly think your arrow will reach me before my blade finds your heart? The dark elf says, Give me a reason to try. You're a clever girl, Carlia. Buying Golden Glow Estate and funding Honig Brew Meadery was inspired. To ensure an enemy's defeat, you must first undermine his allies. It was the first lesson Gallus taught us. You were always a quick study, Carlia. Not quick enough, otherwise Gallus would still be alive. Since the moon is like, wait, what? Huh? Uh, <laughs> Gallus had his wealth, and he had you. All he had to do was look the other way. Did you forget the oath we took as nightingales? Nightingale what? Did you expect him to simply ignore your methods? Enough of this mindless banter. Come, Carlia. It's time for you and Gallus to become reunited. I'm no fool, Mercer. And as she says this, seeing the moon sees her form just completely disappears, and he even says, like, mm, invisibility potion. You know, slightly woke. <laughs> Crossing blades with you would be a death sentence, but I can promise the next time we meet... It will be your undoing, as her voice gets further and further away. She can see Mercer starts to just scramble and, and makes a bit of an attempt, but he knows. Carlia! Carlia, no! She's gone. She's gone. Uh, and he turns around and sees... So it seems my moon is now starting to... He feels a little bit... His tail like, probably hurts again? Yeah, well, he's not, he's not really bad conscious. He can just feel like... This wooze, this mm. like he's been poisoned. Um, he still can't really move. As Mercer approaches him, gets way down on one knee into his face. How interesting. It appears Gallus's history has repeated itself. And it Sings My Moon is he's starting to think he's putting these pieces together. Mercer's a fucking liar. He killed Gallus. He killed who was that fucking lady? Who was who was that? <laughs> Carlia has provided me with the means to be rid of you, and this ancient tomb becomes your final resting place. But do you know what intrigues me the most? The fact that this was all possible because of you. Farewell. I'll be certain to give Brynjolf your regards. As Sings My Moon just sorta doesn't even feel it, he just hears this blade penetrate his armors. <laughs> and. Everything goes completely black. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening to part six of the Ebonheart arc. We're getting we're getting into the thick of it here. Getting there. Things are getting we're crazy. Getting so you can find us on Twitter at Pretenders Guild. Please send us any of your stories mm -hmm. uh, from Skyrim, Oblivion, Fallout, 
any other game. Fable 2. Fable 2. Probably not Fable 3. I don't know how you Who knows? Should, I don't know. Fable 1, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great game. The Lost Chapter is highly underrated. Uh, but please send us uh, any of your stories. Please leave us a review on iTunes yeah, if you enjoy that. our show. That really goes a long way in um, just exposure for us. And mm-hmm. the more the more people who uh, participate in this, in my opinion, the better. And we can try sure. to uh, make a little community out of this. So thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Garlier! <laughs>